And this morning, we are going to continue the, our series of studies on the characteristics of the early church. The characteristics of the early church. You know, last week we talked about one of the important characteristics of the early church. Can any of you rem- tell me if you remember? The early church was a learning church. The early church was a learning church. And how do we know that? If you read Acts chapter 2 verse 42, the word of God says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. What of God clearly says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What does it mean? Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It means they were just reminding, they were just staying there to study the word of God. To study what the apostles were teaching. So we found out the early church was a learning church. So we found a proper combination there. There were good teachers of the word and there were good learners. The, who are the teachers in the early church? The apostles themselves, the, all the disciples of Jesus Christ. They were teaching the word of God and the, the early believers, they were listening, they were studying the word of God. You know, Jesus taught the word and the disciples taught the word of God and God also expects the believers to teach the word of God. It is important that every one of us start teaching the word of God. You know, God has not given the responsibility only to pastors or only to the preachers. God expects every one of us to start teaching the word of God. At some point of time or other, we need to start teaching the word of God to other. It may not be in a big group, but even one to one, at least we should start sharing the word of God. You know, we also found there are three reasons why the early church was a learning church. If you remember... There are three different reasons why the early church was a learning church. Number one, they had a teacher who were not talking from the knowledge they gained from some book. But instead, those teachers, they gained their knowledge or they spoke, they taught the church from their experience. You know, that makes a difference. Someone can read a book and then come and share the word of God. Or someone can share what he has been going through in his life. Or what the the word of God is dealing with his life. And he can come and share in such a way. And that will bring greater blessing when someone teaches from the experience. So they had such a good teacher that made the early church to listen from uh, from their mouth. The number two reason why the early church was a listening church or a learning church. They were a learning church because the believers repented and they were baptized and anointed. You know, if you remember early church, there were many people got added to the church. There were 3,000 got added and 5,000 got added. And word of God says they repented from their past life. And we understood only the repented children of God. Only the repented men and women can learn the word. You know, if someone is living in sin, if someone is not you know, uh, in walking in line with the word of God, someone is not having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ for them, the word of God doesn't mean anything. It's like any other book. And they say that, oh this is a boring book. 
this is really boring you know if we read the word of God I don't know how many of us really read the word of God but you know some of us say that oh it's really boring it's really boring because if we you know we, if we are not repented from the way we have been living in this world it is it really doesn't really convey anything and the early church was you know full filled with uh, people children of God they were repented and they were you know living godly number three because they had you know just started believing in the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ and we understood if someone is not having a belief in the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ the word of God doesn't really makes any sense to them because if I don't believe in the resurrection there is no motivation in my life to study the word of God because if I believe in resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ I also believe the bodily resurrection of a believer you know when we die the life is not going to end there one day we are going to rise again and we are going to live with the Lord for ever and ever and such an understanding about the resurrection gives a motivation for me to study the scriptures study the word of God so the early church was a listening church and they were a learning church you know all along in this study in the series of study our objective is to find out the characteristics the good things about the early church and once we know these are the good things and we want to practice that in our lives we want to practice that in our church you know that is the motivation of you know spending this time and studying this word of God today we are going to see the second important characteristics of the early church the early church was not only a learning church the early church was also a united church the early church was not only a learning church it was also a united church you know the unity of the early church is seen in the scriptures we are going to read some scriptures here now let's go turn our Bibles to the book of Acts Acts chapter 2 let's read few scriptures there Acts chapter 2 verse uh, 42 Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer it shows they were not just learning and they were in the fellowship they were together they were in a fellowship they were just together let's go to verse 46 so continuing daily with one accord in the temple so how they met they met daily they continued daily continuing daily with one accord one accord shows they were in one mind they were united there were perfect unity if you can turn with me to Acts chapter 1 the previous chapter verse 14 there we see these all continued with one accord in prayer you know they were in one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers they were just one accord they were together Acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place chapter 2 verse 1 so it, it all shows show that you know they were having oneness of mind in Acts chapter 2 verse 46 we read that they were continuing together if you can go to Acts chapter 5 verse 12 Acts chapter 5 verse 12 there we see 
and through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch now throughout we see they were just with one accord and one mind when Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12 he talks about the spiritual gifts there if you remember 1st Corinthians chapter 12 it talks about uh, the spiritual gifts and he also talks about the unity in diversity and as he was comparing our body as our body has different organs and they have different responsibilities in the same way in the church all the believers are united together in one body of Christ so that the body the church can function as a whole body you know Jesus was talking about uh, Paul was writing to the church in Corinth so all this put together the early church was a united church the church which was in perfect unity you know today don't you think that unity is missing in the church do you feel that unity is missing in some of the churches unity is missing everywhere you know we find that it is difficult two cannot go together forget about the church leave the church two people when they join together you know they cannot be together for a long time because they cannot be united they cannot be together Somewhere there are different difference. Somewhere there, you know, uh, separation comes in. Two cannot, two cannot be together. Families cannot be together. You know, such in nowadays the world is going through that struggle of families falling apart. Families cannot be together. You know, government is trying all their level best. You know, by bringing in. You know, don't you don't need to really get married, but you can still try to you know live together. And even then, they are find, not finding it easy to handle things together. So unity is missing everywhere and in the churches, in individual lives and in families and even in the churches, you know, unity is missing. You know, it is true that we are all made different, right? We are not the same. We are all, you know, have our own personalities. We are all made different, like in the same way how the leg is not same as the hands. They are different. So in the body of Christ, we all made different. You know, we all come from different background. We have different personalities. We have different thinking style. The way we understand things, they are different. The way we express things, they are different. Our expectations are different. You know, our intellectual and you know, our um, uh, emotional quotients are different. You know, everything is different in our life. But it, it is same as how different our body is. But then when God brings everything together in the church, he brings and he harmonizes everything together so that as a church as a whole, body of Christ, they can, the church can function in an effective way. The same way we have different organs, the same way we have different members in the church. But you know when God, when we, the church submits themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and He being the head, the church can as a whole function as a one body. You know when someone comes into the church, he or she belongs to the body of Christ. Slowly he or she becoming a part of the body of Christ and Christ being the head. And they start functioning, you know, themselves as uh, the, our organs function in the body. 
and they become part of the body part of the body of Christ part of the church and they start functioning together so God expects the unity among the believers you know as long as we are part of the body as long as we are subjected to to the Lordship of Jesus Christ we can remain united you know that's what the early church was doing they were just remaining in unity they were just being together they found a proper place in the body of Christ they just got attached to it and they were trying to do things together as a church whole you know that's where we saw the power of God in a manifested in a miraculous way and God expects that to happen in every church today the early church was a united church in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 I can just read that for you those scriptures Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 says make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace Ephesians 4 3 make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace so God is telling the church to keep that unity make every effort make every effort to keep the body together to keep the spirit together in, a, in, the, in the bond of peace when Jesus was praying for his disciples if you remember before he was taken up into heaven in John chapter 17 verse 20 let's read that scripture let's turn to John chapter 17 verse 20 John 17 Verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone. It means Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he's saying, I'm not just praying for the disciples alone. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. So he's saying, I'm also, you know, I'm also praying for those who had to join in the church. In the future, all of them, including us. That they all may be one as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you send me and Jesus is praying there saying that as I am in you as me and you both are one mean father and Jesus he is saying that let the church be in unity let them be one let them be just one body of Christ and let them be together Jesus was praying you know including us he was praying for us that we may remain united today I just quickly want to see what are the enemies of unity what are the enemies of unity you know these enemies of unity are to be killed or to be removed to be plucked out in our lives and in our churches so that the church will remain united you know you may you may you may you may ask me a question saying that we are all united but then you know why we need to study about unity in the church you know there are many reasons we are all united but then still as I said we have different personalities we have different you know styles of thinking we have different ways of doing but God wants us to be united God wants us to be united and as we grow further 
you know there are opportunities for the enemy to bring you know such things within the churches now I'm not just talking about only our church even in the other churches you know he can bring certain things in the churches to destroy the unity of the church so it is as a believer we need to know you know how important it is and what are the enemies you know for such things to come in in into the church you know Satan as I said uses every opportunity the weapons he has effectively to fight against the unity in the church you know if he cannot make people to sin fall in sin he will make people you know to separate see he will make people to, you know, not to live and not to grow in the Lord in a united way so Satan will try all his best so we need to be aware that how we can fight against the enemy how we can fight against the enemy so we need to know how we can work against this and you know, if I remember Winston Church, Sir Churchill he said once when there is no enemy within the enemies outside cannot hurt you when there is no enemy within the enemies outside cannot do anything that shows most of the time the enemies are within ourselves most of the times the enemies are within us and God expects the churches you know to remain in unity to fight against these enemies you know if you take into any of the leadership books you will come across these you know uh, five different things they talk about which will work against the enemy I'm not going to talk about that but I'm just going to tell you that they say unresolved disagreements you know in the church of God when we continue to remain in unresolved disagreements what it is you know people have different opinion about things but then if we don't address those things correctly in the proper time it can break the unity of the church then secondly they talk about the one important thing which is gossip you know they say that you know in the leadership books they talk about gossip can destroy the unity of the church what is gossip this is what I understood about gossip you know when two of us are talking about a third person when two of us are talking about a third person it is good to tell about all the good things of the person who is not here some of us are feeling sleepy no should I make you to stand no <laughs> okay so uh, you know uh, when two of us are talking about something and if there is a third third person who is not there present there it is good to tell about all good things about them but we will not we don't want to tell anything bad about in their absence I think if we start telling something about bad I think it is gossiping right I'm not sure about you whether you agree for that definition but that's what is my understanding and another definition to that gossip when you know uh, all of us are together and if you want to talk somebody else who's in trouble for example and if you want to really analyze why they got into trouble if we are not able to help them there is no point in talking about it if you are not able to help them really there is no point in talking about it and if you still continue to talk about that it is gossip I'm not saying that uh, our church is gossiping but I'm, I want you to be aware of it what it is it is important it can destroy the unity thirdly poor communication you know when what we think we don't speak we think something else when we share that it is taken it is perceived into different things so when we are not effective in our communication it can destroy you know sanctioned incompetence 
what is sanctioned incompetence when we work as a team you know somebody is not performing to their ability to their you know maximum of their ability and if the church leadership you know they don't really worry about they will just accommodate them you know eventually what can happen is those who are really performing well they will just start looking into the person who is not performing well so it cannot be you know taken granted you know you know their their you know their negatives are less performance so what they say that in the leadership they say that you need to encourage them you need to motivate them otherwise you need to find a proper replacement so it is called a sanctioned incompetence the five, fifth thing is not having a shared vision it shows when we work together we need to have a common vision common purpose with which we work these are the leadership books talk about it some of them are really good but today I just want to talk about I don't really want to concentrate on this I just want to talk another level within which we can fight as children of God with this enemy who brings you know destruction into the unity of the church there is another level God expects us to fight with that you know how that is happening in the churches in in the believers life how that can happen in their individual life and in the family life and in the church we can fight against such enemies by dying by dying you know you may just wonder what he's talking about by dying by dying we can fight against this enemy you know today the unity of the churches can be protected by dying you will come to know what I'm talking about you know I consider we need to come to a level now every time when we come together in worship serving God Almighty there should be a funeral happening in part of every service you know what does it mean there should be something dying in our lives when every time we worship the Lord you know some of them um, you know every church they should say you know one of the qualifications to be a member of the church is only those who are willing to die only those who are willing to die and you may think that you know if we say that in our church you may think that only you and your family and few members are going to stay here nobody else is going to come here but it is true if we need to build a church that is remaining in unity people who are willing to die they need to be available for there I will little take you a little further into it you know if the church unity has to be maintained the believers and the pastors and the leaders should be willing to die at least in three different ways the first thing we need to be willing to die is dying to the self dying to ourselves dying to ourselves what I'm teaching now it is it is a little hard but I just want you to follow it I just want you to follow it somewhere it is going to help you help every one of us dying to self you know let's turn to some of the scriptures Luke chapter 9 Luke chapter 9 verse 23 Luke chapter 9 verse 23 then Jesus said to them all if anyone desires to come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me if anyone would like to come after me follow me let him deny himself what does it mean denying himself we are all followers of Jesus is there any doubt in us we are all followers of Jesus right can I see the hands? 
We are all followers of Jesus. Okay. So if we want to follow Jesus, what the word of God says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So there is a death which is talked about dying to our self. In Galatians 5.24, I can read the scriptures for you. Galatians 5.24, word of God says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are with Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Some of you may tell me, what is that you are talking about? You know, this is the time that, you know, I want to do a lot of things. This is the time, you know, my flesh is craving for so many things. I just want to attain all these things. But then word of God says, those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Now, I'm not, talk- I'm not reading from somewhere else. I'm reading from the word of God. Mark chapter 8, verse 35. Mark chapter 8 verse 35 says For whoever desires to save his life Will lose it But whoever loses his life for my sake And the gospel's sake Will save it Jesus said that In John 12 24 Jesus said most assuredly I say to you Unless a grain of wheat Falls into the ground and dies It remains alone But if it dies it produces much grain You know, what does it really mean to say that dying to self? I'm not sure how far I'm able to communicate here, but then we all know what it talks about dying to ourselves. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1 to 3, what of God says, Romans 6 verse 1 to 3, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. We cannot say that God is so gracious and we cannot continue to remain in sin. It is not right. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? It says, scripture says very clearly, we have died to sin. We, have, we are saying no to sin. And how can you continue to remain in sin if we say no to sin? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death you know baptism is a representation of burial our old life is buried with Jesus Christ and we are raising as a new creation in Jesus Christ you know that's what baptism means that's what it is important that we need to be baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ in the the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit Baptism is important, it is inevitable And baptism shows that we are dying to our old life One more reference, 1 Corinthians 10.23 I have the right to do anything 1 Corinthians 10.23 Paul here he says I have the right to do anything You say But not everything is beneficial I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. You know what the word of God says? You know, today some people argue saying that doing this, is it sin? Where is it written in the word of God? 
you know drinking wine is it sin where is it written in the word of God smoking once in a while is it sin where is it written in the word of God you know going for a movie is it sin is it you know written in the word of God you know this is one such scripture Paul is saying there I have the right to do everything you know under the heaven we can we have right to enjoy everything but you know what he says but not everything is beneficial not everything is beneficial nothing will take me there one day to home to heaven it's not going to help me it's not going to really help me I have the right to do everything but not everything is constructive you know if I keep on doing it if I continue to do it it is destructive we all know that that effect of it you know some of some of the people they argue with saying that Jesus took wine Jesus drank wine and there is no you know what is wrong in that even in the in a wedding in Canaan you know there was wine served in the communion there is wine you know Jesus is asking us to you know take part and what is wrong in that and I asked them, if you keep on taking this, what is the end of it? Do you know that? And we know that. No, we will do things in a very limited way. And do you know that that's one area where we cannot really keep the limit? Do you know that? Yes, I know that. And where is the end? It is destruction. And why do we want to do that? Why do you want to get there at all, first of all? You know, that's what Word of God says. We have right to enjoy everything on this earth. But same time, everything is not constructive. Everything is not beneficial. You know, as children of God, God expects us to get into that denying self. We are talking about how the church can remain united. The first thing is, you know, denying to ourselves. Someone said, every time when our flesh says, I want to enjoy this, you say no to it. You just died once there. Did you get that what I said? Every time when our flesh says, I just want to do it and you say no there to your flesh and by saying no there you are dying to yourself you know that's how God expects us to die you know we cannot just enjoy everything that what we see under the earth we are under the heaven but God expects us to put a limit in our lives not that we want to limit ourselves but God expects us to live godly as we live on this earth you know denying ourselves crucifying ourselves dying daily or abstaining from certain things that doesn't mean that you know we don't need to you know appear like a, that, that, that doesn't mean that we need to appear like a saints to others no you know there are different you know people they understand it and take it to a different level and say that every time you know they don't speak to people because they just want to be a saint if they speak to somebody they may their holiness will drop suddenly drastically no it's not that way it doesn't really mean that you know dying means you know it, it's not just keeping us in isolation and you know always you know praying to God always talking to God no God expects us to not to live like an angel God God expects us to live like ordinary men like the fishermen like the disciples of God you know just be with people just be with people you know impact their lives just being there with people you know that's what God expects in our lives but same time we cannot have you know craving desire in our mind and we cannot try to do things godly that doesn't even work out well so God expects God more than you know outwardly God expects to work in our heart deep in our heart you know for example how we can die to ourselves little more light into the topic saying no to overeating saying no to overeating at times the moment we know that we are done 
we won't get up we would just want to you know feel really strong deep saying no to overeating that's one way of dying to ourselves saying no to the food that you think you cannot just live without it you know my families they used to tell me sometime when i fast you know the, you, have you gone through it when you are fasting that's the time you get the real good smell of a good food <laughs> when you are fasting you know that's the time you feel like you want to go and open the you know refrigerator right and i used to tell okay once my fasting is done i just want to eat this and you know what some my people my family they used to tell me that's where you need to die if you feel that that's what you cannot live without it you know that's what you need to avoid it's not that we are we are trying to keep things away we are trying to abstain ourselves but then we are seeing whether do we have control over it and as a children of god god expects us to have control over it saying no to the movies that you crave to watch some of the movies you know we just want to watch it otherwise we feel that you know we'll just blow off no that's where we should be able to say no and say that i just want to you know live godly i don't think that is beneficial for me in any way saying no to the wrong friendship you know that's essential in our lives saying no to the you know expensive things that we cannot afford to buy at times the moment we see that we just want it somehow but then i don't think that is really needed but we want it you know when we get into that we should be able to say no and that's an easy way to come out of things and by doing that we are dying to those things and saying no to the you know additional stuff that we want to keep i used to say that if something which we don't use it for 6 months that sure that we don't need that stuff in our home we should be able to throw it out right but that doesn't really happen we pile things in our home but god expects us to bring that self discipline in our lives you know i remember one instance which really touches my heart it affects me every time when i think about it you know me and my uncle once we went to meet the doctor who did the hip surgery for my mother in chennai in a way we went to his house to settle the doctor fee after the surgery he refused to take that amount that we took along with that along with us you know it's a very big amount doctor fees especially when you want to get a you know specialized surgeon it is a very big amount so we took that amount to went to his to meet him in his house to settle that fee he just refused that, to take that amount you know he said he will only take the minimum amount that is needed that probably it's an expense that he spend and maybe his fee the hourly fee the minimum amount is what he wants to take from us you know it was a real shock to us and i asked him doctor if you would have if we would have gone to some other hospital or if you would have gone to a big hospital you know we would have spent so much as a hospital expense and as a doctor fee and why are you just you know there it may be you know lakhs and lakhs of rupees but why are you hesitating really to take this uh, you know fee little amount from us and you know what he said that really shook me he said he's not even a christian he's a hindu man and he said to me can anyone wear two shirts at a time can anyone can have two bowls of rice at a time all that you need is just one bowl of rice all that you need is just one cloth to wear and why do i need this extra money you know that really shook me actually i'd never expected you know such an answer 
from a Hindu man who doesn't even know Jesus. You know, it is true, denying ourselves is important. Dying to ourselves is important. You know, on that day, I really saw, I can say that I saw a man who died for himself. And Word of God talks about it. Dying for, you know, self. It is a shame at times in our lives, you know. The way we want to think, the way we want to, you know, do stuff on this earth. At times I don't understand. When I deal with some of the families, you know, I don't really understand what we are trying to achieve after all. You know, it is a life, and you know, as uh, uh, someone was saying, you know, it is a life, it just blossoms like a flower in the morning and it fades away in the evening. But God expects us to die to ourselves. Secondly, dying to the world. First of all, dying to self and secondly, dying to the world. Galatians 6.14 says, but God forbid, I will just read for you, just listen to me please. Galatians 6.14, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, dying to the world. Dying to the world. First of all, we talked about dying to ourselves. You know the reason why the churches are not united today? We don't see many of the dead people in the church. We don't see many of the people who died to their selves. Everybody worries about to their selves. How did they come up? What if they can show? You know, what if they can bring? What they can wear? You know, how they get the attention from people? We don't see people who died for themselves. Dying to the world. The world is willing to offer anything that we need, you know, more than what we need today. The world is willing to offer, you know, so many things to, to us today. You know, the banks, they are willing to give a credit card for $5,000, $10,000. Even though you don't, you know, you are not willing to take it, still the banks wants to give you. They will try to send every time. The world is trying to offer, you know, more than what we need today. Zero down payment offers. And, you know, we, we, we see the interest-free loans, you know, all this kind of attraction in this world today. world is trying to offer more than what we need. But as a child of God, God expects us to die to this world. You know, there are companies out there. You know, they are willing to give us a job day and night. You know, any time in the night or any time in the day, even during the weekdays. There are so many things attract you in this world. But as children of God, we should be able to, all that we need is what we need, what we need to have in order to live. You know, more than that is not really required. And God expects us to have, bring that control. And God expects us to die to this world. Die to this world. You know, die to the money. Love of the money. Desire of the position. You know, I have seen people, they just try to do all crooked things in their life, in the in their career. Because they just want to come up in their career. To take the better position. You know, to take the leadership in that company. They try to do all these things in different ways. You know, love of this kind of position social status I have seen people you know if you go to their house they cannot afford to buy it but then still they buy things because they need to have a status in the society they need to you know recognize and acknowledge by people and God expects us to keep away from those things God is calling us to die to this world in Matthew 10 28 we read Matthew 10 28 Jesus said do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body they cannot touch your soul 
Jesus told his disciples, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. But they cannot do anything to your soul. I know it is really tough teaching. You know, one who died to the world doesn't need to be afraid of anybody in this world. One who died to this world, we don't need to be afraid of anything on this world. Once we die to this world, no one can, no one else can dictate in our lives what to do. It's only the word of God, the instruction we get from the word of God. That's why God is asking us to die to this world. So that we will not be afraid of the world, what the world dictates in our lives. And God is calling us into such a life. In Luke 14, 26, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. It is tough. You know, God does it, does, is it really Jesus is asking us to hate everybody? No, he's not hate, asking us to hate everybody. He's asking us to put everybody in the respective place. And give the place to God what we are supposed to give. The important place is for God. And the rest are all there in the respective places. You know, one of the reasons for the church, in the churches, where we find, you know, struggles, because they, they want their family to come up. They want their family to come up. Pastor wants his son to lead the worship always. There is no opportunity given to others, you know, no matter how skilled they are. Always he wants his son to do things, his wife to do things, you know, his family to be there. And the believers, they want, you know, their family. That's another reason why Jesus is saying, hate everything. Hate everything that is, you know, occupying your life and your time. And keep those things in the, in the respective place. And give importance to me. And then God will bless us. You know what Jesus said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Then all these things will be added. God expects us to seek him first. Give importance to him first. You know, in the midst of all our busyness, God expects us to take time and, you know, do things of God. And then only God expects. If we are worried about our child, our children, we have not died to this world. We, we are really worried about our father, our mother, every time. You know, I have seen people, always their mind is about, oh my, how my dad is doing, how my mother is doing. What about your wife who is sitting next to you? Don't you really care about them? Don't you care about your children? Always you are thinking about your parents? No, no. God doesn't want that. That shows that we are not dead to this world yet. If we keep worrying about our loved ones, those who lost their life recently, you know, if I keep on worrying about my dad, how he was such having such a beautiful life on this earth, why God took him in the last, you know, year? If I keep on worrying about him, worrying about my dad, or so someone, you know, who recently passed, no. We have not died to this world. Every one of us are going to go back one day to home. You know, God expects us to put things in the right place and deal with things. If we keep worrying about our future, our health, and we are not dead to this world. And God is talking to us this morning to die to this world. And God, only such a believers who are dead to the world can be united, can remain in unity together. You know, our churches need such a unity today as we live in such a time. Finally, dying for Christ. 
I know I'm taking a little while, little long. I'll just finish it here. Dying for Christ. Dying for self. And dying to this world. And dying for Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. You know, dying for Christ means saying no to the rest and saying yes to Christ. You know, God will take us to that level, whether we like it or not. God will help us to deny ourselves. He will help us to deny the world. And He will help us to take cross, take the cross and walk with Jesus. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The one who died for Christ. He has only fear, that is the godly fear, not the worldly fear. Just only fear, that's the fear of God. When we have the fear of God in our life, we will submit to one another. We will not just hold on to the way we want to do things. We will not just hold on the way we want to you know, accomplish things. We will just submit one another. We will just listen to them. We will just listen, take those things and put them in the back of our mind and work on them when someone says something in our lives. You know that is important. It is important that we need to be submissive, submissive to one another. And on the other day, I don't know whether Brother David noticed. I just want to say that not to praise somebody, but you know, um, just uh, to you know, to give an example. We were in the Bible study, and uh, we were studying Psalm 17, right, in the university. And uh, we were studying about Psalm 17, and uh, we were talking about godly people, and. Uh, uh, in that context, uh, we were talking about who is a really a godly person. Kripanandan gave with came with one answer. You know what he said? <coughs> I don't know that you remember. I just took that. It is in, in my in my mind. It is working. I mean, that is working in my life. He said, um, anyone who says something and uh, who keeps that word. He is a godly man. Did he say that? You forgot. <laughs> he said, if someone says something, and if he does things accordingly, in accordingly what he said, he is godly. And what does it mean? It means, somebody who said something, and they are not keeping their word, they are ungodly. I was shocked by the definition. I didn't show that I was shocked, but it is, it is working in me. You know, simple things like that. You know, God expects us to learn from one another. To learn from one another. You know, God is speaking to everybody, not to one person. God is, you know, dealing with every lives. And there are so many good things we can learn from each other. You know, that's how God, because the word of God says, submitting one another in the fear of God. Galatians 3.27, word of God says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new cloths. You know, when we, when we are baptized, we are united with Christ. And what of God says? We just wear something fresh and new. What is that? Or who is that? Christ himself. It means, like we put a cloth over our body, and that's what people see in our lives. And when we 
or be baptized we are put on a new cloth that is Jesus Christ when people look at us they want to see real Jesus in our lives 1st Corinthians 15 31 Paul writes here I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord I die daily I die daily you know what he is trying to do what he is trying to tell here I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord it means I have suffered so much now I see the church in Corinth really doing great I boast in you for God I boast in you I'm really blessed by seeing this church you are all growing up like anything and you are just doing the good things of God I really boast but I die daily I die daily you know he's dying he was a man he's totally sold out for God and he wanted to live for God and every day he was dying himself and for the sake of God sake of Christ Jesus willing to let go things for the sake of Christ is what meant is meant by dying for Christ willing to let go things for the sake of Christ is what is meant by dying of to Christ shall we all just read turn our Bible to Philippians before we close Philippians chapter 3 Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 to 11 Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 to 11 I just want you to follow as I read this here a man who says I have totally sold out for God I died for Christ it is no longer I it is Christ who lives in me and let's listen to his words and that will give us a proper direction in our lives and if every one of our believers are like this that assures the unity in the church finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same thing to you is not tedious but for you it is safe and verse 2 he says beware of dogs or the false teachers and false doctrines beware of evildoers beware of the mutilations for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh and listen to this though I also might have confidence in the flesh if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh I more so because the reason is circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law a Pharisee concerning zeal persecuting the church concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for Christ yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ 
and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is in is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead you know he has a he's a man who can boast to any level about himself he is such a man man even otherwise even though he's a godly man even otherwise he's such a man who can boast anything about himself and he says i am dead to the world and i just want to live for god for the knowledge of knowing more about christ jesus you know this is what is needed in the churches today not the leadership seminars I don't believe not the settlements and peace talks you know in the churches I don't really believe no committees for compromise and settlements which they have in the committees you know I, I don't think really transferring a pastor is going to bring unity in the churches not you know dividing the churches and making it as two churches it's not going to settle the issue not really you know uh, shutting down the churches and closing the services it's not going to bring anything in the churches what the churches today need is the people who are ready to die for themselves people who are ready to die for the world and people who are ready to die for Christ Jesus and this morning God is God is speaking to us I'm not sure how far I'm able to communicate but I know for sure these scriptures will continue to talk to every one of us